You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, Episode 40, Kathleen Kelly, Queensbury Cigar and Pipe. I'm doing well. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on today. I, I always kind of think, you know, at the beginning of the week, like, who would I want on this week? And, you know, the, the magazine just got printed and it came awesome. out. So I was like, Kathy, I was like, I want to have her on because I remember our conversation and just how good and substantial it was. And having awesome. got so many good things to say. So I figured this would be an awesome time to kind of bring that uh, to life in a live interactive kind of way yeah well i was watching one of your uh lives and i also do the social media for new york tobacconist association uh-huh. so i didn't realize we were following you on there so i was live you know with <laughs> you on your live as nyta oh wow yeah. yeah yeah this is one of my uh quarantine covid projects that i've been doing since we haven't had as many trade shows and events to go to this year uh, I figured this is a nice way to speak one-on-one with people and interact with people and bring people that kind of uh, interaction and stories that they are used to kind of seeing out at an event that we just aren't getting this year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, at least you guys had uh, TPE this year. I mean, that was that was the last thing I, I got know. to play like for. Right under know? the radar. <laughs> yeah, you guys slipped that right in, you know? Which Definitely. Is great. Yeah, so. So, what, yeah, so I'm I'm uh, coming to you from what I call the Shallow Creek Bar. It's my little kind of cigar lounge and uh, pipe lounge down here. And it's in the basement of my house. People keep asking me where the Shallow Creek Bar is. Um, but it's my own bar. Because people are like, how are bars open with the pandemic? How are you at a bar? But it's my bar. <laughs> um but I, I do some, I was doing a series called Live at the Shallow Creek Bar uh, from here. It's just a fun thing to do. Same idea, you know, when you don't see a lot of your customers. Uh, it's kind of fun to do a live thing and just check in with people and maybe interview one of our cigar reps or something. Um, so Definitely. I've got to do some more of those. But yeah, they're always a lot of fun. And I always encourage people to have a cocktail, smoke, you know. Yeah, I know people always ask, like, are you smoking? And I'm like, no, I live in an apartment. I don't feel like going through the trouble <laughs> of doing it and, and getting the smell out and all that kind of stuff. So yes, it's yes. funny to have more cigars than anybody could possibly want. It's just hard to find a place around here to actually uh, enjoy one without, like I said, without the, the city walls and all this other stuff going on. But yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I bought when this all happened a rabbit air uh, for my house because they work great for uh, cigar smoking, you know, with the oh, filtration. Wow. And so I put one of those in the house because I, you know, uh, when this first happened, I did a lot of uh, working remotely from home and a lot of my employees did too, you know, none of us really knew what was going to go on with our shops. So. Exactly. You know, I set up kind of a smoking palace up here. So, <laughs> And you say the rabbit air works pretty well? 
It works really well. I bought one for, I have a uh, like Monte Cristo members lounge in the back. I have like two lounges, one's a public and one's a private lounge. Mm -hmm. And the private lounge is a little bit smaller and I put the rabbit air unit in there and it works great. That's awesome. I've, I've looked at it and I've considered it. So maybe I'll, I'll give it another look. I know I, I tell people every one of these is like all my money goes to vinyl records right now. So <laughs> I probably, I probably have, have just bought a rabbit air with the with money that vinyl. I spent on, on vinyls this morning alone. So Oh my uh, God! I'll have to let my funds replete, recuperate after this morning's uh, buying spree. <laughs> yep, yep. It's funny. I've been buying some vinyl too because I, I don't know. I like the way the old records sound. You know. Exactly. It's the it's the interacting with it because everything's so digital, and you get to the point where digitally you listen to something, and one note into it, you're like, I don't want to listen to that. You just skip it. And it's so hard yeah. to do that with vinyl that it makes you appreciate the music a lot more and the artwork and everything else that goes into it. A hundred percent. We've lost that art of an album, you know, exactly. a whole collection of music and then the artwork that's on it. And yeah, just the idea of putting a record on and listening to the entire record, you know? Right. We're trained to just skip around. You hear, you know, right. Five seconds of a song, you go, whoop, next, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, and I have the issue here for people who haven't seen it. So this is the, the new issue of the magazine. I like the article on Matt Booth, too. It was fun because he was actually, you know, when you do interviews, you either get a fluff piece or you get somebody who's completely an open book. And it's the open yeah. book articles that are always the best. So yeah. Matt Booth, honestly, like the, the transcript that we have from our interview, um, between him and I were was came out to be about thirty three pages. Wow. <laughs> so at some point I could write a novella about Matt Booth and, and his I, life. So. I'm sure. And I like, yeah, it was a part one and part two, right? Right, yeah. So that was just like three thousand words out of however many thirty three pages came out to be. So for people who haven't seen it, this is your story. Yay, that's awesome. I love it. So you're the first retailer to get our tobacconist treatment like this. Wow. Just um, acquired Tobacconist Magazine. And I was thinking how cool it would be to have like a magazine within a magazine. Right. So that, you know, to keep that tobacconist name alive because I worked at Tobacconist for several years. And it's a big, it was the industry magazine for so long. And yeah. then it kind of just faded away. And now we're, we're looking to kind of bring it back in some ways so that kind of honor that history. Yeah, it's funny. It's like vinyl, you know, magazines have kind of gone, I don't mm -hmm. know, the, you know, everybody reads everything online, but it is cool to pick something up and, and, and read it. Um, you know, I know I, years ago, it's got to be almost 30 years ago, I subscribed to Rolling Stone for life for $99. <laughs> wow. And 30 years later, I still get Rolling Stone. <laughs> I think it's once a month or something it comes out. That was a good deal. So that was a great deal, $99 for life. And then they put it in the business name. So I'm like, well, it'll keep coming as long as the business is around, I guess. I guess so. So with, with your story, and for those who, I'm sure there's a lot of people who know you, but for those who might watch it and play that, so you're a big-time retailer. Like, I remember working at 
pipes and tobaccos magazines and this the cup of joe's name i mean you like you own that space and there's yeah. other pipes but like cup of joe's was his own thing and you like really carved out like i said the e-commerce space and yeah. how to market and how to build up your business um so i don't think people know that story so that's why i wanted to speak yeah. to you month, uh, a couple weeks ago when i was working on the story because i said you were one of those retailers who are probably you know a lot of other retailers are kind of sitting here with the COVID, not knowing what to do and i'm sure you had like a game plan kind of going into it because of your years yeah. of experience it wasn't like it was probably a little bit disruptive but you probably still had a plan um on how to kind of navigate these new waters yeah 100 percent. i mean you know um it, it's exciting this is my 26th year in business this year and you know through 26 years yes as you know a person who owns a small business you navigate through a lot of different ups and downs and problems and you know you learn to problem solve that's one of my favorite things is to go into work you know and and kind of problem solve and what needs to be done and so when the pandemic happened i mean it's a scary time for everybody no matter what business you're in but you know i kick into gear of okay you know, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to survive through this? How are we going to thrive through this? You know, right. how do you take a, a really bad situation and turn that around so that, you know, we can either A, you want to, you know, just hang on or B, you know, grow through this. Um, and I know in particular in New York where we were, you know, we got, everything got shut down. So it's a scary thought, you know, and you have, I, I, at the time had 10 employees, you know, and I, people uh, counted me for their livelihood. So we started making plans. I started making plans two weeks before I knew we were going to be ordered to close, you know, so mail order, we can get packages out. We can uh, take phone calls, uh, push them to someone's house, you know, and somebody can sit at home. So I started, never did I think that I could run something remotely. You know, you think, well, that, how can you do that? How do you run your business remotely? Um, but you can, you know, you have to come up, you, you meet, you get a, your employees together as a team and you come up with ideas. And uh, two weeks before we were ordered to, I started sending people home and we started working remotely from home. And uh, even the, the business, uh, we weren't essential, you know, for the brick and mortar, but we could do deliveries. So we made sure we got out there on social media and let people know. We were closed for about 10 days at the brick and mortar. But we let people know, hey, we'll, we'll bring you cigars. We'll ship you cigars. We'll put it in the mail to you, you know, even if you're local. Uh, and that worked really good. And then we wound up being able to do curbside. So we could only have one employee in the store at the time, you know, and they would run the cigars out to you with the mask on and everything else. And so, yeah, you know, you just, sometimes you got to just think of all the different scenarios of what you can do. And we've actually, you know, last month uh, grew a little bit from last year with all this going on at the brick and mortar and online too. Yeah. And for those people that don't know your story i mean tell us like how far back like like you said it's 26 years so what 
Yeah. You didn't start off, you know, with what you have now. So tell us, like, what was the beginning? No. The I, industry. I mean, it's a, it's a really crazy story how it all happened because I lived, I grew up on Long Island, lived on Long Island. I moved up to the Adirondacks, uh, to the Lake George area, Queensbury. And I couldn't find a job anywhere. I used to sell electrical supplies. That was, that was my world. And um, so I was really disappointed with the jobs up here. And I opened a coffee place in 1994 called Cup of Joe's in, in Lake George in a tourist town. And it was the cigar boom. So people vacation in Lake George, they come up from the city, uh, from Long Island, a lot of downstate from New Jersey, and they were all asking for cigars. So it just seemed like, I don't know, let's try it, bring some cigars in, see what happens. And so the next year I had a little cabinet humidor with some cigars and uh, kind of grew from there. Uh, a couple of years later, I had a guy uh, who back in the day, they used to have guys drive around and sell like cigarettes, you know, like ha the uh, Dunhill cigarettes, it was. Dunhill and Davidoff cigarettes. But he also had pipes in his car. And so I bought a couple of Stanwells. And then I think a little bit after, bought a couple of Dunhill pipes, which were really high end. And, you know, you have to grow a pipe business. You know, people ask all the time, like, how can you be a cigar shop and get into pipes? And it, it takes time. You have to kind of nurture that and grow that. Um, so it takes time for people to know you have pipes and, you know, know to come to you. Uh, so in the meantime, I was seasonal. Uh, my business was open April till October. So I was looking for things to do in the winter and eBay started. So the pipes that I had, I put on eBay and started selling them. And that's what prompted me to do the e-commerce site. And I found a niche with pipes and pipe tobacco online. Uh, Cause a lot of people weren't doing online pipe business then. You know, and you have guys in, I don't know, you know, South Dakota and the nearest pipe shop from them might be three or four hours away. You know, so there was a, there was a need for that online. Uh, so the online started to grow and I, it just kind of, you know, you build it. I mean, I started my shop, scarily enough, with just, uh, I, I bought some coffee, I rented an espresso machine and cross my fingers and, you know, hope that this could work out for me. Uh, but it takes a lot of hard work. I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, you have to put a lot of time into it. And any money you make, you've got to put back in to, to grow the business and build it up. Uh, but yeah, so it kind of just kept growing and growing. And then in 2012, I bought the building that I'm in. And that was a really smart decision. Uh, especially for smokers, you know, being in a strip mall, it was great for me for many years. But, you know, when the guys want to sit outside and smoke a cigar and you've got, I don't know, a gym or a salon next to you, it kind of doesn't go together. Right. You know, so having your own place where you're set off is, is great for smokers, you know? Yeah. And um, I mean, I always think it's funny because, you know, the question you always hear in retail is what's new. Yeah. So many uh, retailers always look for new products, not but not new categories to them. 
So you have so many cigar stores, like right now, you know, maybe what's new, maybe be a new product category that they aren't tapping into. And for cigars, I think that product category isn't necessarily something off the wall, like CBD or nicotine pouches and all this right. other stuff. It's pipes. Yeah. They kind of go hand in hand, but people kind of think, I think when you think of pipes, you know, you, you think of your grandfather, you know, kind of old school, you know, I was watching, you know, one of these, these quarantine things I started doing is watching old TV shows that I used to watch back in the day. Yeah. And I was watching uh, Punky Brewster uh, just a couple weeks ago and Henry, the, the older guy in the show, what does he do? He smokes pipes like throughout the series and you would never see that now, especially a, yeah. an older man taking care of a younger you know, child, and he's just walking around the house smoking a pipe, and you know, yep. that episode where she calls herself trying to help him out, and she's like washing the pipes, and he's like, no, you ruined it. I mean, oh, stuff that's like that, that, that's yeah. funny, you know, being this age and knowing a little bit more about pipes and cigars and all that kind of stuff, but again, like, we, we don't equate, you know, stores are just like either they're a cigar store or they're a pipe store, and you don't see a lot of that crossover. So right. What you do is, is interesting because you're combining both of those into one kind of business. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's funny because I watch uh, Turner Classic Movie Channel. And I love watching the old movies and all the guys are always smoking a pipe. And one of the things I look for, uh, I like to go antiquing and stuff, but they took the pipe away from Santa Claus. You That's know, right. Like, <laughs> I love the old when you can find old prints and stuff of Santa Claus smoking a pipe. And now he's PC. You know, I'm surprised right. Frosty still has a pipe. <laughs> you know, someday it's going to be something else. He's going right. to have a solar bar. And we forget those things. Like how, like I said, it, it used to be such a prominent part of our society. Your father yeah. used to have a pipe. Your grandfather used to have a pipe. And now it's just like. If you say pipe, I mean, they think of something completely different. You're thinking of something like for cannabis or, yeah. or something off well, the wall. You know, it's very funny because a lot of women that come into the shop, when they smell pipe tobacco, um, you know, they there's something in that that makes them smile. They're like, that reminds me of my grandfather. Or that reminds me of my father. And it's it's funny how that affects them on some emotional level a lot. Right. Um, so it's really interesting. Or a guy will come in and say, I want to try a pipe. I've never smoked a pipe before. And he wants apple that his grandfather smoked or something. But, you know, a lot of retailers I've heard definitely through the years, they're like, I'm, I'm afraid to carry pipes or I don't know enough about it. I'm not an expert on it. Uh, you know, and the thing is, I, I get that, you know, but you kind of learn as you go too. you know, you don't have to be afraid. It, it's like your humidor with cigars. You know, I tell guys that start that are new, you know, don't pretend to know everything. Don't BS people, right? Guys going to come in the humidor. Chances are he might know more than you, right? So you just be honest with them, you know, and I think that's the same thing with pipes. Don't be afraid of them, you know, get yourself some basket pipes, you know, figure out what, you know, three lines of pipes that you can buy and, um, you know, go from there, bring in a little bit of tobacco, start small and build it up. Yeah. And I know that, um, 
like at Anstead's in Fayetteville, North Carolina, they have a big pipe section like right there at the counter. So it's like surrounding the counter. And um, Wayne, who owns the store, was saying, you know, we, we try to carry pipes of different price points so that people exactly. can get into it. They said, he says, you know, we have our Missouri Meerschaum pipes here, which are great starter pipes for people. And then we have, you know, a super expensive pipe that we don't really expect to sell, um, but it's there. And it just kind yeah. of anchors that whole section because you never know. You might have somebody, like, who's finally gets into the pipe stuff and they say, I want something more than a corncob pipe. Exactly. And you, and you, you have, that, have there. that Yeah. Yeah. And that's the same with me. I mean, we start from, you know, a four or five dollar corncob pipe, you know, and then you can go into a thirty dollar basket pipe. You know, usually a lot of people are in that sweet spot of like, you know, $80 or something for a pipe. And then, yeah, you'll carry some that are a couple hundred dollars because someone will come in and, and want to buy something more expensive, you know. Um, it's very interesting. It's like cigars. You know, when you see what goes into a cigar, you know, go into a cigar factory. It's amazing because it's everything is done by hand. And you think, man, that cigar should be like, you know, $60 when you see how much it's touched. Mm -hmm. And pipes are the same way. You know, it's the artistry of that pipe that's carved by hand or even a machine made pipe has a lot of hand finishes that go into it. So. Now, when you decided to expand your business from pipes, like you said, to cigars, like you started off in a cigar boom, which is like this, for younger smokers, this, this thing that we hear about, it's like the golden age of, of cigars. So what was that here well, in like working in the I marriage? mean, well, you know, it, it's, it's, it was interesting because um, you couldn't get anything. You know, you couldn't really open accounts with people, you know, you, you, you couldn't go to somebody and say, Hey, you know, I want to sell cigars. They didn't, there was not enough supply for the demand. So you carried what you could get your hands on, you know? So back in the beginning for me, it would be things like I would deal with Miami cigars a lot, you know, Leon Jimenez, uh, or Lars Keaton's, you know, back in the day. Uh, I mean, they've come around again. But that was like a cigar that you, you I, Big Butt was a cigar I carry. It was called Big Butt Cigars. But I mean, the, you know, you carried whatever you could get. I just want to say hi to Max from Rocky Patel. Um, but yeah, so you, you, you carried whatever you could get your hands on. And I mean, people bought them because again, you, you, the demand was so high. So it was a crazy time a crazy time. And then again, you know, you keep putting your time in and you're selling cigars and then people start to open you up, you know, and you start to get direct accounts with people. So, yeah. I mean, so, so what do you, for somebody who's been in the industry, you know, two decades, you know, when you look at how the industry has changed, what's the biggest change that you have seen happen within the industry? Um, I mean, you know, it's been interesting because I see a lot of merging of companies, you know, so I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. It, it almost is getting smaller, mm -hmm. you know, because big companies are buying this and buying that and kind of, you know, condensing it all together. And I mean, things back in the day, too, even in the pipe world, you know, things were done on a gentleman's agreement on a handshake. 
and it's not like that now you know it's very different so. yeah that's what um matt booth was saying in his story in the boutique world he said you know he said this definitely isn't the same industry that it was when i first entered he said not that i don't like it it's just completely different and he yeah. talked about like he like he said the gentleman's handshake and said that's something of like the the, the lost era that's like yeah back in the past <laughs> well and that's how deals were done you know if you um wanted to be a distributor or make a cigar or like pipes and pipe tobacco you'd go to europe and you'd go to a factory in france and negotiate being the importer and it was done on a handshake there was no written contract you know so that's very different now things are not like that i have to say hi to abby too I've got some of my pipe guys on here watching, so. Oh, that's awesome, though. So. Yeah. I try to stay involved in the in the community, too, especially online. Um, and like I say, my kind of love is uh, pipes and pipe tobacco. So he's part of a pipe Zoom that we do on Fridays. So we do a Friday night pipe Zoom. And, you know, it's great talking with people that are your customers and seeing what's going on with them and um he's he's helping me work on a pipe tobacco now i was going to show you i have some little like sample i'm putting my finger over so you can't read what it is <laughs> but i'm working on i had sent him some different samples yeah i've got sample a b and c here that i'm going to be sampling later in my gazebo so when you talked about just now technology because i think that's one of your big strengths is that you adapted and you embrace technology when as a lot of other retailers kind of they don't know how to really incorporate technology beyond a pos system into their their business so when it comes to social media and zooms and like you said just having a virtual kind of get together for your your customers it's like foreign to them so like coronavirus like really kind of took them by surprise because you yeah. need that now and, yeah, um, I know every month we, it seems like every month we, we, we come into this year saying maybe next month will be better. And yet we're still in the same place. It's like we're treading water right now. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're getting into the, the weird time of year where it's going to start getting colder and people are going to be at home more anyway. And then so it's like, so, so talk about technology and, and how mm -hmm. you, you've been able to use it. I mean, technology social media is, is really, really important. Uh, definitely Instagram, I think is the, the biggest uh, reach you have on social media. I mean, a lot of people are on Facebook, but a lot of people like Instagram. It's, it's, it's a picture and, and that says everything. You know, you don't have to go into this whole big story like people do on Facebook, you know? It's like, boom, you see it, it's cool, you like it. But social media is really important. And I think for me, what I've found in my business is people want, as human beings, we want to connect, right? I mean, we're all about connection. And I think the, this pandemic obviously makes it really hard for us to have human connection. So I think it makes social media even more important than ever because it does give you that kind of connection. And people want to know you. They want to know who they're buying from and they want to get to know the personal side of you too. So I think that's an important thing on social media. 
is to, you know, I know people don't want to open up their lives, but you kind of have to open up your lives to people, you know, and give them a little peek behind the curtain, so to speak, of who you are. Um, and I know I like that when I see the human side of somebody, I really like that. So what I like to do on our social media uh, is connect with people too. You know, that's why we do a lot of videos and stuff. I, I like to joke around and have a good time. And, you know, so I want that to show in, in my videos. Um, so I think that's really important is that connection. And you have to be, you know, look, how many times are you on your Instagram a day or your Facebook a day? You know, so you want that out there. All day. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I started a couple of groups. I started a Dunhill pipe group and a Peterson pipe group. Gosh, probably back in like 2010 on Facebook. And I mean, we have thousands of followers that, that pretty much runs its own because you've created this group. Where guys that love, for example, you know, Dunhill pipes can go on and geek out about it, you know, because cigar guys, pipe guys and girls, they sometimes we're kind of geeky about stuff, you know, so it's fun to kind of go on and, and geek out about stuff and have these different Facebook groups or Instagram pages dedicated to that stuff. So social media is huge. It's huge. Yeah, and I definitely like, like I said, for me, my preferred platform is Instagram because it's so easy to navigate and you yeah. can't show people more of who you are to me through this. Like Facebook gets a little tricky. Yeah. You're so tempted sometimes to either comment on something that you don't agree you don't agree with. with I and, stay away from with, it. it yes. I know. It's it's so hard, especially like during election seasons. It's so hard to not want like I said to not participate. But to me, you don't get into that on, on Instagram because it's, it's, I mean, you can, but it's, it's harder. And I like yeah. that it's harder. I think that's one of the big differences exactly with Facebook. You know, somebody will go on there. I hate to say, do like some political rant or something. And I, I stay away from that. You know, I have my politics. That's, that's one thing I don't want to get into because I don't want to argue with people over politics, you know, right. I want to talk about fun stuff like smoking, you know, smoking a cigar, smoking a pipe. I don't want to get into all that. And you're right. That's the thing. Instagram is pictures, you know? So I think it's more feel good than Facebook is. I mean, I hate to say that, but it is. sorry, Facebook. Like, like I say, but. Yeah, because like like I said, Facebook is is. I mean, we've seen Facebook topple certain people in the cigar yeah. industry and outside of the industry. So yeah. it's it's a really easy, like I said, to to get in there and, and mess up. But to me, Instagram is is great. Just like I said, to connect with people. Doing lives like this are super easy. You don't have to type in any type of special code. You just flip open your phone, click on the thing, and and get it going and. Um, it's been fun to, like I said, interact with people using yeah. this. And I see that you, like you said, you and your stores do this all the time. So I think other retailers could learn from that because especially in, in times like this where you might not want to go out, you can still visit those retailers and get to know them. And I see so many, um, you kind of leading the way with that and, and inspiring a lot of other retailers to kind of, like I said, take a chance and embrace technology and learn how to use it. Yeah. Well, I had somebody come to me 
uh, last year at one of the shows I went to at, at PCA and they said, what, you know, what am I doing wrong on social media? And I said, you're taking just a photo. So you're just, you know, taking the cigar, taking a photo. That's great. That's cool. But, um, Abby's saying not to give all my secrets. I know. <laughs> I, too, too late, Abby. <laughs> um, but you know, that's great. A, a, a still photo. But I'm like, you have to engage with people like that. You're not engaging that way. You know, people want to like you and that just taking a picture of this cigar in my hand is not doing that. You know, it's social. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. People forget social that. Social media. Exactly. It's like it's not just posting a picture. It's interacting with the people. It's responding to questions. It's like or you said, putting your thoughts to certain things. And you don't have to not political stuff, but yeah, you know, but showing people and show, telling a story through picture and video. And I think yeah, a lot of people miss that point. Yeah, or it's a boomerang, or it's one of the greatest, I forget everybody that was involved in this, but one of the greatest Instagram little videos I saw was one of the people was uh, Oliver from United Cigars, and it might have been Mo from Tatuaje. I forget all the guys that were in it, but basically the one guy lights his cigar, and he throws the lighter down, and it cuts to the guy catching it, and him like, yeah. did you see that? Yeah. And then he drops it and it goes to the next guy and he shows the cigar and it had good music to it. And I mean, that's the stuff. Like, I dig that, you know, it's so well done. It's entertaining. And, you know, you want to entertain people too, you know? Now tell us a little bit about your, your store, Queensbury, because it's a unique store. And I know this might not be the, the normal year for it. You probably have a lot of stuff that you wanted to do that may have got pushed out event-wise yeah. and this stuff, but just tell us a little bit about that store um, for people who haven't been there. Yeah, it's, um, like I said, I bought I bought the building in late 2012. Uh, it was a vacant building sitting there for a couple of years. And it's very sad, <laughs> but it's a cool Adirondack style building. It's absolutely beautiful. It's got a big stone fireplace inside. It feel, I've tried to create a vibe that is a feeling like you feel like you're at home. You know, it's a very homey, comfortable feeling. Um, and so the shop's great. I have obviously a walk-in humidor, a, a good size retail space. I put a pipe room in there. Uh, and then we have a lounge that's open to the public. When you're in there smoking a cigar and the snow's coming down and the fireplace is on, it's just awesome. Uh, and then uh, a couple of years ago, I had a back lounge area that we made a private lounge. So I have lockers there that people can rent and they'll get access to the private lounge or you can buy a day pass there. Uh, and we put in really awesome like seats in there. We did logo seats with Monte Cristo. Uh, and what the big thing I love about the shop is I have a big patio. I think an outdoor area, if you're going to have a cigar shop, uh, is really important. You know, people love to sit outside in the nice weather or in the fall. And so any type of outdoor area you can have is great. So we've got a big patio in the back, too, that people can hang out uh, and smoke on, too. But And we do a lot of events, obviously, you know, not so much now. <laughs> but, like, we still do UFC. 
And I do want to give a shout out to, by the way, I have a great manager. I think you met him, Dan Davison, mm -hmm. and he runs my uh, brick and mortar shop. So he runs the retail and there. And he does a great job with coming up with ideas for different events. He's the one that came up with the UFC idea. Loves UFC. And bye, Abby. <laughs> um, he runs UFC or loves UFC and wanted to bring it into the shop. So like even recently, uh, Johan Production that runs UFC, they gave us a discount because they know we can't have 50 or 60 guys in there. All right. So we still do some of the UFC fights. Uh, and Joe Hand has worked with us on pricing. So we'll bring like 10 people in, you know, or 11 people and kind of just spread them out, you know, so we can still. So that's a thing we've done UFC a couple of times, or we'll try to do an event out on the patio or something like that. But uh, yeah, I love, I love the shop. And fortunately it was big enough and I have a big basement that I was able to put my mail order in there as well too. So everything kind of operates under that one roof there. And you said earlier that you're able to still get stuff done even during the coronavirus time. So like, I know a lot of businesses have struggled with this this year because, you know, going into 2020, if people said, I want to just work, work remotely and work from home, they would be like, absolutely not. There's no way we can get work done. Right. And it's getting used to it. So as a, you know, as an owner of the store and boss and leader, like what adjustments did you have to make to, to make to get everything going? Because I know it's an adjustment that starts with you and with other leaders. And yes. it can be a big shift in, in mindset because you always are afraid that people are going to be working from home and they're not going to be getting stuff done or they're going to be slacking off or, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And I, all those things went through my mind, you know, how can this work? And like I say, I started kind of putting people remotely a couple of weeks before we were ordered to, you know, I also really care about um, my, my staff and I didn't, you know, who knew what was going on? I didn't want my guys to get sick. Some people have kids at home and things. Uh, but for example, like I have a bookkeeper and she's still working remotely at home because uh, she's a great worker. And you know what? I sent her home to work and she's thriving at home. And I, I would never, uh, you know, seven, eight months ago, I would told you, no way, that can't work. You know, right. he's going to be eating bonbons and checking <laughs> yeah. computer and then going outside in the backyard. And, but man, I'll tell you what, you know, she does an even better job working remotely at home and she's happy there. So mm -hmm. I don't know if she'll ever come back. And uh, even in the beginning, you know, like my social media guy, my guy that he does photography for me and he does a lot of our posting and he would come in once a week so that we could send him home with, you know, a box full of goodies so he can, you know, go out and still do his job and take his pictures and do what he's got to do. So what I did too in the beginning was I, with my staff, would have like two people go in and the other guys would work from home. You know, so I only had two people. One was at the retail, one was in the, the mail order. So you're kind of, and then, you know, we'd sanitize everything and the next day somebody else would come in. Right. You know, so you kind of rotate through, um, you know, your staff so not everybody's there at the same time. But again, you do whatever it takes, you know, you want me to deliver cigars, we'll deliver them, you, you know, 
you want me to send them out in the mail to you, we'll do that, you know? So, I mean, you got to buckle down and kind of do whatever it takes and then think of uh, other ways, you know, be creative of, you know, getting business, doing business with people. Yeah, one of the things I've said to people is that I like how people have become more creative during this time with their businesses and have yeah. done things out of the box. So like when you talk about the UFC, I know you're doing that kind of before coronavirus, but that's one of those out of the box kind of thinking to make, to grow that niche community within your store that you can then say, hey, while you're here, why don't you look at our humidor and look what we have to offer? So yeah. it's a nice way to, to build the audience. And I know Camacho, because I know you've done a couple of events with Camacho. Um, and I know last week, you know, they, they did their own cookbook and it was right. like so unexpected and you flip through it and it was like nicely put together. And I was thinking, I was like, wow, they should, uh, you know, I was thinking when, I, when they described it, I was like, you know, they should use this as a time to like hype up some of their cigars and do different pairings. And they did. And it was yeah. great. And so it's like out of the box thinking like that, that I think um, we're going to all have to kind of do even more so going forward because we don't know when this is going to be over. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the thing is to embrace it, you know, the outside the box thinking because it can be scary, you know, but it's fun when you do it. It's fun when you do stuff like that or you put yourself out there, you know, and maybe something that's a little not traditional. You know, a lot of people don't like change. No. And you can't be that way. You have to be open-minded. I have to say hi to Lauren and Julie, too. Those are two of my other five guys and Julie's big scar guy, too. But it's nice that they're joining you here so that shows that you have that connection like i think you know a lot of the best retailers have their own followings and their own relationships with their customers it's not just you yeah know, you go into a store and you don't know who the owner is you know have a relationship with them so i think that's especially important in tobacco retail um, yeah because everything is community and culture driven so yeah well know, yeah, these are people that I consider friends and, and family, too. You know, some I'm uh, very, very close, like Shuli. Thank you, Shuli. You're a rock star, too. Um, you know, it, it, he's become a good friend of mine. These are people that are in your life for a long time, you know, and they're friends and family. And one of the things in my shop, I, I, I'm very fortunate that this happens, is everyone's accepting of everybody. We're not clicky there, you know? Um, and I like that. A new guy comes in and we bring him into the fold and, you know, uh, you know, bust on you a little bit. That's that's part of being in the shop, you know? Um, but it's fun, you know? And it's, it's a community for sure, for sure. And I think that's important, especially this year, you know, the idea of having, if you own a business, if, you know, thinking about everybody and making sure that it's open to everybody. Because I think especially, um, at least on the manufacturing scale, sometimes you can get kind of, you don't know who your audience is. And you think you're, <laughs> you think what you're doing, I know certain companies thinking about what's happened this year. You think you're, you're catering to your, your whole group and then something happens and you're like, oops, I guess I, I you know, dropped the ball and I thought that we were, um, focusing on everybody that we needed to and we weren't and then it's a surprise yeah. and then it's hard to kind of make up ground afterwards yeah so 
Yeah, and you know what? We all make missteps and mistakes, and you know, it's a great, it's a great learning experience. My sister Joan is here too. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's good to learn from those missteps too. You know, um, I think that's important too. You know, not everybody's perfect. You know, and I, I talked to you about that with the, the videos. You know, if we make a mistake or something in a video, that's okay. Because, you know, it just shows that, that we're human, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, and I was glad to hear that. Because when I think of things like, like this, you know, when they think about doing something like this for the magazine, you know, they want it to be posh and, and very tailored. And, and I'm like, it's just hard to do. I was like, it's hard to do that and people, it's not authentic, you know? Right, um, exactly. Something like this, I was like, is authentic. It's casual, you know, there's no commercials or anything popping up in the middle of it. It's just us having a conversation and people hopefully learn more about you and they learn about your business. And, and that's, the, that's the aim of it. Yeah. You know, it's like having an hour conversation where you just extending your platform to one another and just talking. And I, yeah. I think uh, a lot of things that we're doing are, are kind of the art of conversation somehow has got lost in the fold of all the digital stuff lately. So yeah, I'm glad that coronavirus has put a focus back on just conversating and looking people in the eye or through yeah. a video and, and just telling and, and talking and, and building up one another through these virtual yeah. things. Yeah, and I mean, like I said earlier too, it's it's about that human connection, you know? As human beings, we wanna connect with other human beings. And you know, you don't know like the person maybe that's living alone and they're going through a struggle and they're lonely. And you know, if they get entertained in a video and get to smoke a cigar and you know, listen to your interview, I mean, you know, it gets that connection for them, you know? Yeah, so what's, I mean, I know it's kind of a, a weird question during coronavirus time, but like what's new going on at Queensbury right now? Like, what are you working on? What are you dealing with? Well, I mean, we're actually dealing with a lot of different things, but, um, you know, right now, uh, a big issue in New York is our cigar tax is going up. Hi, Rob. Um, Rob's from Australia. Um, another one of my pipe guys. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're dealing with our cigar tax going up October 1. And um, so that's been a tough thing to deal with because here you are in a pandemic and you're dealing with all these issues and um, now you're going to get your, your tax raised, you know? So it's a difficult thing. And I think an important thing for me that I've learned too in the past couple of years is I had, uh, I think told you about this. I belong to the uh, New York Tobacconist Association. And so that's a group of New York retailers that are working together, you know, to take care of our shops and keep them alive and well. And so as an organization, we have been working together to fight this tax increase. Uh, maybe unsuccessfully, I don't know, it's not looking too good. You know, a lot of states too uh, right now are you know, broke because of all the stuff going on with the pandemic. So they need money. So they're going to tax things. But I think it's important to work with other retailers too. I think as retailers, sometimes we're <laughs> afraid to work with our competitors. 
And I don't feel that way. I think that's an important thing we should do because we build relationships. You know, I always say there's lots of plumbers, right? There's lots of contractors. There's uh, lots of different, you know, red wines out there. Um, so you're always going to have competition. But I think it's good to work together for the greater good, you know. Um, but that is one of the big challenges right now we're facing at the shop. Uh, so we're trying to get inventory in before October 1. Um, because we don't have a floor tax, you know, so we want to get that, those cigars in before the, the October one deadline. So that's a big challenge right now. Another exciting thing that happened for us was we got into TAA, uh, Tobacco Association of America, and that's the same idea as NYTA, right? It's a bunch of retailers across the country that work together you know, to have better buying power and things like that. And we get exclusive cigars that we can carry in our retail shops. You know, I think I was reading something from either PCA or NATO about beware of what's going to, like what's coming in 2021 in terms of more taxes on tobacco products because of what's happened this year. Like you said, states, local, um, you know, municipalities are going to have to get money in that they just didn't make because of coronavirus and with people staying at home or not traveling and so on and so forth. And one of the easiest scapegoats usually is, is the tax, tobacco um, yeah. businesses and tobacco retailers and products. So they said, you know, beware of that. And then, of course, you have things like flavor bans that seem to be the, the latest trend of of uh, putting restrictions yeah. on the tobacco industry. So between taxes to make up for shortfalls <laughs> elsewhere and flavor bans, which limits whatever, and then the back and forth between FDA, you know, being being hot on regulation and then putting a break on it. And then, you know, they come back and they say, you know, you all need to meet this deadline now or whatever. Yeah. It's just yeah. a lot going on. I don't think people really... Um, no, or when you, if you're a consumer, you like you don't always follow it like yes. a retailer does. Yes, you're not always in the loop with those things, and nor should you be. And I mean, the FDA is another issue that's a really scary issue. And I mean, I know a lot about it, but I don't know as much as like a cigar manufacturer would because they're the ones dealing with right the getting the paperwork in with the FDA and all that stuff too. But I mean, that's a, it's a big thing. People don't realize with this FDA uh, issue, you can't just come out with new things now too, right? They all have to be grandfathered in and existing recipes. Well, it's funny because oh. of the substantial equivalents, like depending on who you, you follow or who you take your advice from, it's like you're getting completely different. <laughs> you're getting completely different yeah. guidance. It's like certain... And, you know, being a part of the media, I try to be careful not to put my own interpretation or spin on uh, legislation, especially. Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's a very dangerous thing where sometimes you see a media person say, oh, substantial equivalence is put off. It's, yeah. it's, it's put off indefinitely. And I'm like, it wasn't indefinite. Well, we don't know that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, that's the wrong word to use. It was put off. It was temporarily paused. For and now. It, it, Right. Yeah. And at some point, somebody, you know, whether it's, it could be a year from now, it could be four years from now, 
somebody, you know, it could be a change in administration and different direction. All it takes is right. one person to, to lift their finger off that pause button and all of a sudden you're right back to where you were. So absolutely, you know, this, this idea of, of everybody's a free for all right now is, is kind of, to me, it's, it's confusing because like I said, you're like, let's not get happy, trigger happy yet. Well, and you know, it's like when they um, came out, I think it was PCA came out and, and said, well, hey, you know, we, bye Lauren, uh, oh, you're not supposed to talk about the jacuzzi. <laughs> um, I, I just got a new jacuzzi. So I, I, I did a pipe zoom from my jacuzzi last week. <laughs> just because, again, it's fun, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, FDA, we were talking, he threw me off with the jacuzzi. He's killing me. <laughs> um, they, they defined premium cigars, you know, but my thing was, that's great. That's awesome. But what about pipe tobacco? You know, like I want an organization that's going to work for cigars to and take pipe members too to work for pipe tobacco. You know, we wanted to find that too. You know, we've had a funny situation where there was a fed tax put on, on uh, roll your own, like cigarette roll your own tobacco. So when that happened and stuff started coming in labeled as pipe tobacco, um, it caused confusion because now we're kind of lumped in and they think pipe tobacco is roll your own and that's not really the case. Right. Exactly. You know, so that created a lot of confusion and the flavor bands, we fought that as NYTA because we had Albany County wanted to do a flavor ban and that would ban pipe tobacco too. So now how do you sell apple pipe tobacco? Right. You know, and you try to explain to people, like, you know, they want to go after vape. You know, you want to go after great bubblegum vape or whatever. That's fine. But you have to say that because when you say flavor, the, a lot of times these politicians that make these bills that get passed into law, they don't understand the full thing of what they're doing, the, the scope of it. You know, they don't think that, oh, hey, that means, you know, java mint cigars or you know apple pipe tobacco it's crazy like i hope like you said that we we get some clarity on some of these things it is very confusing as a retailer yeah because you're caught in the middle because you're like what can i bring in what can i not bring in what's going to be pulled from the shelf what's what's not going to be pulled from the shelf what's going to get me in trouble what's not <laughs> right yeah, see, Rob's saying that's what caused the issue there for pipe tobacco. Rob, same thing here in the States, you know, because they think pipe tobacco is, is roll your own. And there are some companies that label it that, and I understand why, because you're trying to get around the Fed tax, but it created a whole issue for, you know, guys that smoke a pipe with pipe tobacco. So, so as we near the end of our hour together, I want you to kind of give – the Queensbury and Cup of Joe's plug so people know where to follow you, what, where to look for more information about your businesses, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, you can um, check us out on Instagram, uh, at Queensbury Scar and Pipe, uh, at Cup of Joe's. Uh, you can follow me. you got to request me, but at Sarah, S-A-R-A, -A, Sarah Kathy Kelly. Um, 
that's a lot of fun. I love people that follow me on my private Instagram page too, because I like to do like wine, bourbon, all the things I'm painting in Rust-Oleum, uh, cigars, all that stuff. Um, and then a Facebook, obviously, Cup of Joe's, Cigars and Pipes. And um, thank you, Rob, so much. And uh, also Queensberry Cigar and Pipe on Facebook. Awesome. So, and then cupofjoes.com is my uh, online website where you can order everything online. And then I do have queensberrycigarandpipe.com. And that's kind of a informational website with what's happening at the shop and pictures of the shop and stuff like that. So yeah. it doesn't feel like it's been an hour. This is crazy. I know. The, the best conversations are like this. It's when I look down and I'm like, oh, man, we've got 30 more minutes to go. And that's when I know I'm in trouble. But Well, my... Kiki is going bananas upstairs. I gave her a peanut butter bone, but I don't know. She's crying. She only drinks fresh water out of the uh, sink. Oh. So she's crying by the sink right now because her dish of water is not good enough for her. <laughs> well, so. I want to thank you for taking an hour out of your day to speak to me on here. And like I said, the story came out great. And so I'm looking forward to people seeing that and reading that in print and uh it'll be on the website in a couple weeks i think uh, awesome so and, and i do want to say thank you so much for the article it was a pleasure and thank you for doing the instagram live oh no thank a lot, you a lot of fun i love the article too it was really awesome and and uh i thank you very much for that i really appreciate that well no problem and i'm looking forward to the show next year too yeah definitely so it's May 12th to the 14th. We're talking about TPE. So yep. you can go to tobaccoplusexpo.com for more information on that. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank right. you so much. And I look forward to our next encounter and next chat. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.